You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Endurance is energetic and heroic. It's really interesting and it enables you to stand firm. That's what endurance is. So in the end of it, the real focus is it's not on you. It's not on you gritting your teeth. It's on God's power and faithfulness to strengthen me and enable me to stand. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. All right, well, there's the music, and it is Tim and Dave's with you once again. It is Momentum all around Australia. Hey, and uh, we're just so thrilled to be back with you, and thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate you doing that. And uh, look, we're here for you, essentially. That's why Momentum exists, helping men succeed in life. That is our tagline. Whatever we can do to help you on your journey, wherever you are, uh, reach out to us, MomentumAustralia.org, and Dave's is going to give you a number in a minute where you can uh, get some help on a on a care line number two. But uh, we're here to help men all around Australia just do life that little bit better, help you succeed help you get through some of the uh, itty, icky stuff of life as well. That is my heart and certainly my co-host heart, Des Kennedy. How are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm really good. And, you know, it's so important, uh, it's so important that we're able to, all of us are able to reach out to people that we know, people that we, you know, we can confide in and, and uh, you know, have deep conversations. Not how are you, not, you know, how's your week, but really deep conversations about what your what's happening in your world, um, and they're not necessarily easy to do. But you know, maybe you don't have somebody in your world that uh, you can confide in, and so we encourage you to use the Momentum Care Line one eight hundred triple zero men. So that's one eight hundred triple zero six three six, and that service is provided by our friends at Caroline Connections. They're a great ministry in their own right. Um, you can reach out to them and get help, confidential help. You know, it, it is private. It's confidential you get seven days a week you can get help from 9 a.m to 11 p.m 1-800-000-MEN yeah thanks Des. and you know i've done life as an island in isolation and i've done life with good guys around me and i can tell you it is not necessarily perfect but it's definitely easier when you've got guys around you and encourage you on your journey so we encourage you to reach out if you need you know it's a funny thing talking of which the older that i get the less i seem to know and i realize that there is so much more to life and happening around the world that I either don't understand, I don't have control of, or I just can't figure out. And ironically, that it's that lack of certainty that actually increases my faith, not weakens it. And I think because I realize that there's a much bigger picture going on that I could ever comprehend. And then I, I figure out, well, if there's a bigger picture, then I trust that there's a God that has that bigger picture in mind at all times, even when, to me, my life doesn't make sense. And, you know, we've all been there, haven't we? We've had moments or season in our lives where we really, it's really tough and we struggle to come to terms with what's happening and what's happening to us. It's, it just happens to all of us. You know, even if we have a faith, we will often ask, where is God in all of this? no matter what the circumstance. And it's a really valid question. And so to help us explore that, we're joined once again by our good friend and pastor of Woodvale Baptist Church in Perth, Pastor Rob Furlong. Welcome back to Momentum, sir. Thanks, Des. Good to see you. Good to see you, Tim. Thanks. Great to be here again. Yeah, awesome to have you here, Rob. I mean, we're, we're putting you through the paces the last couple of weeks. We uh, we had a delve into Easter, the true meaning. Um, and that was confronting, to be honest, on, on a number of levels. But fantastic for you to to give us that reality check i think um oh, thank you and you know i think this is this is a real this is a gritty subject as well uh you know where is god in the tough times essentially if you want to give it a title but um you know particularly as as those of us who have a faith and we've been in in faith for a little while we've no doubt had some journeys and we've probably asked that question god where are you in all of this this doesn't make any sense and it's actually deeply connected to the Easter story because we were talking about pain and suffering and right, death right. and that type of thing. And so when we go through these deep waters 
And right now, in situations, I, I'm dealing with situations with people that ranging from cancer diagnosis to uh, losing a loved one uh, to uh, marriages that are in crisis. And, and I'm talking about deeply painful situations. And these are the questions that come up. Mm. These are the questions people, mm. people ask. Yeah. Uh, Philip Yancey suggested that uh, there are four questions that people don't ask out loud. And I want to put into the context here, particularly for people of faith, uh, everybody struggles with pain and suffering. Mm. But people of faith particularly, we have this kind of idea, I've committed my life to God. How come things aren't going better for me? Right. And Philip Yancey says that we ask four questions, and they are, we never ask them out loud, <laughs> but we all think them. But we all think them. <laughs> yeah. But we do ask. I, I've been asking them out loud for a long time because I think we need to. The questions are, is God deaf? Is God unfair? Is God silent? Is God hidden? And sometimes it feels like a yes to all of them. Sometimes it feels like a yes to all of them. There's people listening right now going, yep, I've ticked every box. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with the first. And clearly God isn't deaf. Well, interestingly, I, I, I would take us back. Well, what, when the question is asked, is God deaf? It's because people are praying and they're asking God for solutions in this situation and they get no answer to prayer. Hmm. C.S. Lewis put it this way. When he went through the uh, cancer diagnosis of his wife, whom he deeply loved, and, and her subsequent death from cancer, he wrote a book called A Grief Observed. And he made this comment, I'm paraphrasing it fairly broadly, but he said, you know, he said, when things are going great with you and God, he said, you roll up to heaven and you bang on the door. And he said, the gate's thrown open wide and heaven, big celebration and everything's wonderful. He said, but what happens when things are bad, when it's the cancer diagnosis or the illness or whatever, the marriage break, whatever it is? He said, you come to the doors of heaven and you bang on the door and what do you discover? The doors are shut tight, the keys locked and thrown away, and the bolts have been thrown down. Hmm. And he said, you get nothing. That is the experience of a lot of people of faith. It's a genuine part of the journey hmm. that, God, are you listening? Are you even hearing me? Hmm. That's a question that people ask. I'm going to jump in at Isaiah 59, and it's under the heading of Sin, Confession, and Redemption. And of course, uh, well, let me read it out first, and then we'll, we'll get to that. So it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So, to me, that would indicate there are certain situations where it's, in inverted commas, our fault. It's, it's that we're in sin, we are not doing the right thing, and therefore God cannot, I suppose, look at us because we are unholy in that moment to him. I think you have to be very careful with that. Right. I think, I think there is a place where obviously if there is unconfessed sin, God is not listening to us. But I don't, I don't think that actually applies to uh, God then inflicts us and punishes us in order to get our attention. I don't, think that that's, I don't think that necessarily follows. Because what do you do with the situation of a wife who, no one's perfect in a relationship, but what do you do with the situation of a wife who suddenly discovers that her marriage is not what she thought it was and she's crying out to God and doesn't seem to be getting any answers to a prayer. It 
it's not sin. This, and I think I'm not saying you're saying this. I think the worst thing we can do is to say, well, maybe you need to look at your own life because maybe that's why this has happened. It's, everything's gone in the toilet. Mm. I think we've got to be really careful with that. Mm. Yes, I think there is a sin can, don't get me wrong, sin can create a barrier between us and God, but I don't think it follows that he inflicts or punishes us with stuff. But in that scenario, it's not necessarily her sin, but again, it could be what the husband's doing. And, and again, this is the sure, challenge. Why this should she be the, inflicted with That's her. right. This is the gray area, right? Because, yeah. I mean, we're often on the receiving end of other people's yeah. choices, words, sin, bad attitudes, anger, whatever it may be. Um, and that affects us. And that has an effect on us, but we're not necessarily the one that's in sin, in inverted commas. You said, uh, Rob, need to be very careful, and we do. I mean, you know, situations where, you know, somebody has lost their partner and they, they're praying out to God, and, they, and in their frame of mind and their state of mind, they don't believe where they normally would get, would hear from God through Scripture and from the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, nothing. And that's and that's real, and it's you know it's their experience. What do you say to somebody in that space? I think that's exactly where we need to go. Is we do have to remind people gently. No one emphasised that gently. We do have to remind people direct direct them back to the fact that your experience is real. And this is what I, I've been saying in this current series I'm doing with my church. I'm going to direct you back that, is, that's, that God is listening. He does hear. Uh, take a look at the life of Job. Now, Job, for the most part of the book, rails against God mm. that he's not listening and he's not answering. And then it's what's really interesting is right at the end of the book, God steps in and speaks. <laughs> and this is the thing. When you read the book of Job, God actually doesn't even tell Job what it was all about. Right but it's enough for Job. And I think we have to encourage people to say, your experience is real. Actually, you're not the only one to go through this. Many Christians experience this, but rest assured that God is not deaf. He is listening. To, and you, it's interesting, we talked about Psalm 22 last week, because if you put it in the context of David's lament, the first half of the psalm is really interesting because it's all about God, where are you? You've abandoned me. Da, 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 da. Mm. But in the second half of the psalm, it flips. Mm. And it begins to change, but you have heard me. You have rescued me. So he's going through that whole process. God is not there. Life sucks. No one's listening to me. But he works through all of that. And then he comes back to that position that says, you're listening. You've answered. You've redeemed. I think we've got to help people see there is a journey that's mm. going through this. And James, the book of James, would suggest, not suggest, tell us very strongly, it's part of the process of maturing our souls. Mm. It's not God inflicting stuff on us, but as we persevere, endure, that produces within us perseverance. It produces within us a maturity of soul that we would never, ever develop without suffering and pain. Mm. It's very hard to see that when you are so uncomfortable and so hurt and so uh, deeply traumatized by you know what you've just experienced. It's it's very hard to understand God's bigger picture and God's bigger plan, and even to accept that in your world, isn't it? So, uh, my answer to that would be: this, that's why we have to tell people these things very gently. I think the best thing 
Job's friends did for him was when they first came to comfort him in his uh, disaster, they sat in the dirt with him for three days and said nothing. Mm. And sometimes all we can do, in fact, probably the best thing is to sit with people in the dirt and say nothing. Mm. Because it's when those guys open their mouths that things really go pear-shaped. Right. So when when you look at the journey of Job and you and and let's use that as a good example because obviously God kind of sets Job up at the beginning of the book and Job has no idea everything just suddenly starts going sideways. Um, now I've heard some people say that you know referring back to the is God deaf is God silent that God sometimes kind of withdraws for us to perhaps keep pursuing Him in a new way or a different way, um, you know like. Uh, not necessarily in times of trouble, but just that it, it kind of like, well, it doesn't become formulaic then. We don't, we as humans, we love our routines and our rituals and our formulas. So it's like, if I do X, Y, Z, if I pray for five minutes, if I read my, my Bible for five minutes, and I work, then X, Y, Z, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this feeling. I'm going to get a word. I'm going to get something. And I've heard some people say that to some degree, the reason that God pulls back is to stop it being formulaic so that we press in perhaps differently or with a greater fervency or some sometimes it might be that we pray really loud and, and boisterously and sometimes it's that we sit in silence. I mean, there's no answer to that, but do you have any thoughts on that? I think Philip Yancey, and again, as we're talking around this, I want to keep emphasizing we have to be careful on how we approach this, but I think Philip Yancey has some good wisdom here and he says, he, rela- he relates it to the system of pain, that the, the, the ability for us to feel whether it be pain or, or sensitivity, the nervous system is incredibly complex. Mm. And it's interesting because uh, obviously the fingers are much more sensitive to the back. And so just where the pain sensors are, uh, in term, they're, they're closer together mm. in the fingers than they are in the back. So uh, it means that the fingers can detect things much more sensitively than, say, the back can in some cases. And he talks about what's the point or what's the purpose of pain? Well, it tells us something's wrong. <laughs> you know, you put, and he, he actually spent some time with Paul Brand, who did a lot of uh, work with lepers. And you know, we, we uh, think we understand leprosy. Leprosy is actually the inability to experience pain. It's the loss of sensitivity. Leprosy is not a disease that causes your nose to drop off. Your nose drops off because you've lost the sensitivity to pain. You're unaware that damage has been done, and now there's an ulcer that's formed. And you and that's why lepers' fingers, they, they, they touch fire or things like that. They don't feel pain. They've lost the sensitivity to it. And so he talked, Paul Brandt spoke about the incredible gift of pain. And Yancey would take it and say, it's not that God inflicts pain on us, but when things are going wrong, God uses that to tell us something is wrong. And as you say, then mm. out of that comes this deep longing for God. And, and is it painful? Yes, it is. Because part of that, part of that uh, pain is the crying out to God to say, God, where are you in this? But mm. that, that's beginning that struggle mm. of seeking God and searching God. So I know when I was in my burnout mode, it was a time of great crying out to God out of enormous pain, but the fun, it's a weird thing because you feel like God's a million miles away and yet there wasn't a single day when he didn't speak to me. Mm. We'll figure that out. It's very interesting. Very right. interesting 
experience. Well, we're going to take a pause there because I want to come back and talking of maybe confusing, I reckon this is one of the most confusing scriptures initially in the Bible. We're going to come back and explore that in just a moment. Our special guest this week is Rob Furlong. Where is God in the trials? Where is God when he seemingly isn't there during the tough times of our life? That is the topic on Momentum. It's a biggie. And uh, we're going to come back in just a moment and uh, have a second part with uh, Pastor Rob Furlong. In the meantime, have a squeeze around our website, MomentumAustralia.org, and we'll be back with Pastor Rob in just a tick. This is Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. All right, you are tuned in to Momentum on your local radio station, wherever you are around Australia. Great to have you tuning in. Really appreciate you doing that. We are all around Australia. You can check out more about us at MomentumAustralia.org. Essentially, myself and Des, we are here this week, and we've got our very special guest, Pastor Rob Furlong, and we're unpacking a fairly meaty topic again this week. Where is God in the trials, the tough times, the seasons where it feels like he's distant and silent? And before the break, Rob, I said, uh, you know, that... uh, this is a confusing scripture for a lot of people, and maybe we can unpack this because uh, those of us who've gone through this can go, I still don't understand it, but I kind of get it. Um, it's James 1, verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So, I mean, let's just park that right there and you go, hold on. <laughs> I'm to consider it joy when I go through a trial of any kind. Now, verse 3 then comes in because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And, you know, initially we start at the trials are joyful. And yet they do produce things in us, let's be honest, when we go through the trial. And none of us likes that, but we like the end result. The mature and complete, not lacking anything. It's like, can we just fast forward to that part? please. <laughs> do we have to go through the other? Absolutely. Can we do that without the trial? Is that possible? So I suppose the trial is a gift to us in some way to show us something, teach us something, the iron sharpening iron to rub something off in us to change us in some degree. But it's really hard to see it in that moment, isn't it? Isn't it? Yes. Well, particularly when you're talking about James, who's writing to Jewish Christians who had fled from Jerusalem because of persecution, uh, into, away from the city of Jerusalem, and what do they find? They flee persecution to find more persecution. Right. And you'd be thinking, really? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and what does James say? When troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. The problem is our misunderstanding of joy. The, mm. the word joy here refers to a good mood of the soul. What I'm, talk- I'm not talking about exuberance or mm. jumping up and down, mm. but it's a good mood of soul and it's actually an attitude that is the opposite of fear so what what james if you want to paraphrase it james Mm. is saying maintain that i guess that solidarity in your soul don't be afraid and ultimately yes when you fast forward to the end bit the joy will come i heard a brilliant testimony from a lady in my church just recently who said when her first husband died 10 years ago she said i was shattered absolutely shattered and she said you know she read scriptures like this and she said she i went to god regularly and said i cannot feel joy now but i know i will wow and i am trusting you in this and she said i took those scriptures and i claimed them day after day and she said i i just trusted god that there would be a time that would come 
when that joy would break in. And she said it did. It didn't mean that she was happy that her husband was gone. She still mm. grieves him. Mm. But she said, I just took that to God. And I think that's the approach wow. that we should take. I think I think that's powerful and really good advice to give to people that, you know, just, just you have to trust God in everything. We don't know the answers. Yep. I'm going to trust you in this moment that, that the time will come when I will feel joy. Going back to verse 3, because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance, right? I mean, again, it's, it's these things that, let's be honest, in life, they mature us, they grow us up, they teach us things, our character is developed. Even if it's that our tenacity in pursuing the Lord through those times, the, 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 the perseverance, you know, the long-suffering almost of this relationship, if that is strengthened within us, I suppose. So when we look at the trial, how it develops us as people, it is a bit of a blessing. But of course, in those moments, it, it, it never feels like that. It doesn't, but in, endurance is not just patience. It's not just like I'll grip my teeth and get through yeah. this, which some people do. Uh, the word is a really interesting word. It's a quality that focuses on God's power and faithfulness. So endurance, in this, and going back to that lady or different mm-hmm. discussions we've had, in the midst of it, it is tough. Yeah. But endurance says, as difficult as it is and as hard as I'm finding it, and it seems like God's not listening, I'm going to focus on his power and faithfulness. I read this morning, what, what does God say over and over again? He talks about he pours out his loving kindness on us every morning in mm. new ways. And so this is focusing, and I think that's what that lady did in that situation. She focused on God's power and faithfulness, not on the problem. Mm. She knew she had the problem. Uh, but when we do that, when we turn our focus onto God and away from ourselves, it gives you courage in the face of the difficulty. Uh, the other interesting thing is that endurance is energetic and heroic. It's really interesting. Oh, interesting. It's all built into this little word. Uh, there's an energy about it. There's a, a heroism about it. And it enables you to stand firm. That's what endurance is. So in the end of it, the real focus is it's not on you. It's not on you gritting your teeth. It's on God's power and faithfulness to strengthen me and enable me to stand. Mm. So I, I recently heard someone say... Um, and they've just gone through a really tough season at the tail end of that now. And they said one thing they wish they'd learned quicker when they went through that season is not to ask the question, why me? Why God? But instead to ask God, what are you trying to show me, teach me, or do in me? I think that's really good advice because I think that's exactly what James says. Because the next verse, Tim, uh, verse 4, or you refer to that, let it grow. Mm. Uh, your endurance will produce uh, perfection, completeness, which is maturity. But look at the next verse. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And we look at that verse and we go, we've just been talking about trials. Well, that's interesting. Now it's talking about wisdom. It's kind of like this random thought. You think, mm. okay, now he's just jumping onto the wisdom track. No, he's not. <laughs> What's he saying? What's he saying? He's saying, if you need wisdom to go through the trial, Mm. ask God and he will give it to you generously. Mm. And that's exactly what that quote was saying that you gave us a minute ago, Tim. It's saying, God, I don't understand this. I don't understand it feels like you're abandoning me. It feels like you're quiet. It feels like you're not answering prayer. God, would you give me the wisdom to go through this season? The wisdom I need. It might be wisdom. Gary Friesen, I had these these thoughts to him, but he, he would say... It might be wisdom to get a new perspective on the problem. It mm. might be wisdom to 
to know how to endure persecution. It might be wisdom in the midst of suffering or it might be wisdom regarding prayer. Whatever it is that you need at that moment, ask God for it and he will give you the wisdom. And we've got a whole Bible full of it. Mm. We've certainly got the book of Job Mm. and the Psalms. Half the Psalms are laments. Well, maybe that's an exaggeration, but the two themes of Psalms are what? God is great. Yeah. Uh, and life is tough. And where have you gone? Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> probably the other way around, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And it's amazing, you know, how how powerful Scripture is, you know, in times of um, stress, in times of anxiety, in times of loss. You're just reading the Scriptures is just it's amazing how God can speak to you out of the Scripture. It's amazing. Mm. I, I say to people when it, and I'm talking about the really deep stuff when we're really struggling. I say to people, go and read the Psalms. Just start at Psalm 1 and just keep reading until one hits you. Mm. Uh, and if the one that you read today doesn't hit you, don't worry, read another one. But just read them in order. Uh, it won't be too long before these start to speak to you. Mm. You know, you're talking about, I think, uh, is it the sons of Korah? One of them is, you know, railing against their enemies. Dash their babies' heads on the rocks. What? Mm. You're actually asking God, to smash a baby's head in on a rock, but that's just showing us the depth of the pain and the agony they're feeling mm. uh, and, and how they want to get through this. Let's pull back for a moment. And it's a bit of an interjection, but, but I think it might, it might help some people because the, the truth is that when we come to faith, right, and we invite God into our lives, there is an expectation that all of a sudden the creator of the universe, who my Bible says can do anything and everything and supply all of my needs and blah, 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 blah. There is then, I suppose, an expectation, now whether that's something I've created or whether I've been told through preaching or a word that I've listened to or other people that I've been around, that my life is just going to suddenly improve into this incredible thing where everything just goes beautifully and I get everything I want and this incredible thing. And often then when these, the opposite of that can happen, right, we can struggle with that. So I suppose my question, Rob, is, what part of that is perhaps, dare I say, and no disrespect to any church here, but is it a wrong doctrine that we've been given? You know, come to Jesus, your life's going to be awesome kind of thing. What part of that is just our humanness that we don't like being uncomfortable? <laughs> you know, we just like comfort. Uh, hey, an e- if I can have a, an easy, cruisy life, uh, that's what I want, of course. You know, if you give me a plan A, that I get that, or plan B is the trials and the things, but at the end of it, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to... I'll have plan A, thank you. What part do you think is that in our struggle with accepting a trial or going through a trial, do you think? I think, oh, well, the whole Christian life, I don't want to sound negatively, but the whole Christian life is not meant to be an easy ride. Hmm. I think I think we've been guilty uh, in some areas of just only ha- preaching half the gospel. Right. And I heard a, a brilliant presentation of the gospel some years ago now. It was on TV. And it was an excellent presentation in terms of what God will do for you, except for one thing. It didn't mention that being a Christian involves taking up a cross and following Jesus and the whole aspect of discipleship, and it involves repentance. We only give half the gospel. The good news, if the good news is good news at all, you've got to include the bad stuff, which is what we talked about last week, the death and resurrection of Jesus, Hmm. and what that, the implications of that for us. It's no good preaching a gospel that says your life will be wonderful if you accept Jesus into your heart. Yes, that's true, but what is it going to cost? Mm. 
because in the culture in which Jesus preached this, when he said, take up your cross and follow me, he was talking to a culture that had witnessed crucifixion and the victim would have to carry their crossbar through the streets. They'd be paraded through the streets to the place of execution. And everybody who saw that person going out, they knew that was a one-way trip. Mm. They knew they weren't coming back. Mm. What is Jesus saying? You pick up the cross, it's a one-way trip. And what did Peter say? Peter said, you experienced persecution? Yeah. What do you expect? What did you sign up for? Mm. Exactly what Jesus had. You follow in his steps. He's not being flippant about it. He's just saying, well, what did you expect? Mm. That's actually the Christian life. And I think we need to say that to people today. What did you expect? And try, and, and I think trials and temptations and all of those things, I, I, think, I think uniquely as Christians, we struggle with it more. Because we, we, it is like, hang on, <laughs> I thought things were going to get better. Um, and I'm not saying that God makes things worse. What I'm saying is we struggle with it because we're following Jesus and we're committed to him. And the Bible gives us a perspective on, it makes sense of all of this stuff. And that's where I come back to the wisdom factor. Let's go back to wisdom. Hmm. How does, what, what, has God left us alone without any wisdom on this? No, he hasn't. He's actually given us some good tools that we can dig into to help us get through that period. Mm. Um, I heard a saying, and I actually shared it with Des, I think a couple of weeks back, and I can't remember the guy's surname, but he's a UK pastor. He said, God allows in his wisdom what he could prevent in his power. And when I first heard that, it resonated with me, and I shared it with Des, and Des was like, oh, that's, that's really good. God allows in his wisdom that which he could prevent in his power. And not that that's the, the blanket statement for everything, but sure. I, I think that's helpful yeah, to go, there is a bigger plan here that perhaps I don't understand. Absolutely. Yeah. That, and that's of Job, isn't it? Because we, we have the privilege of understanding what happened in heaven and there is a bigger plan that's going on. And really, you know, it's the accuser who's accusing Job and God. He's really an attack on the goodness of God. Ha, you think Job loves you? Hmm. He only loves you because you do good stuff for right. him. So it's not just an attack on Job, it's an attack on the character of God. So there's a much bigger picture going on here, mm. much bigger picture. And the interesting thing is, I would add to that, is whilst God doesn't say to Job, this is why it happens, it's interesting when you read God's response, he actually challenges Job and he says to him, okay, you reckon you can f- fix the problems of the world and the evil and the suffering? Mm. Do your best. Mm. And he challenges Job, and it's not that because he hates Job, but the challenge comes to me, and I, I read that, and I thought, you know, what God is saying is, Job, evil and suffering is a much bigger problem than you, that it's beyond your ability to solve this mm. and figure it out. Mm. Only I can do that. Which is essentially what Job says back in response, isn't it? I, Job I think he it. says something along the lines, surely I spoke of things too wonderful for me to understand. He gets it. And how did God fix the pain and suffering in the world? He sent his son, Jesus. See, says, last only, week's message. Last week's message. That's <laughs> the only solution. It is. It, that's what that's, God is saying. The problem of evil and suffering is so big and so great. Only I can fix it. Mm. And it does. Rob, a final thought before we wrap up, and we've got a couple of minutes, literally, but... Um, the, the truth is, we, we all on this, all of, all three of us have been through seasons in our life. It's not been fun, right? Let's be honest. Uh, it wouldn't have been our first choice. It's been, it's not been a bed of roses. The journey of faith has been a, a tough one. We can look back now at the end of it and go, 
gee, I'm glad I'm glad where I've landed and I'm grateful for the journey, but I wouldn't want to do it again. Yeah. You know, um, and I say that often. Um, but but for people who are in that season right now, where you know they hear what we've said, God is silent. You know, they're going through a really tough time. They've reached out to people. It doesn't make any sense. Um, they're perhaps frustrated, even angry at God. They might have wanting to turn away from their faith. What would you say to people in that moment right now to perhaps encourage them? So, what would I say to people who are listening? I think I read this by John Ortberg not so long ago, and I think this is, to me, this summarizes what we're talking about this morning. John Ortberg said this: the chance to trust God when trusting isn't easy is wide open. The prospect for modelling hope for a hope-needy world is trending upward. And the possibility of cultivating a storm-proof faith is always going up. This is so because certain truths remain unchanged. God remains sovereign. Grace beats sin. Prayers get heard. The Bible endures. Heaven's mercies spring up new every morning. The cross still testifies to the power of sacrificial love. The tomb is still empty. And the kingdom that Jesus announced is still expanding without needing to be bailed out by human efforts. God is still in the business of redemption, specializing in bringing something very, very good out of something very, very bad. Wow. It's a brilliant quote. We might get that quote from you. You can do that. And put that I'll on our website as a reference point. Um, it's, it's been, a, it's been a, another deep, interesting, uh, full topic with uh, Rob Furlong this week, where is God in the tough times? Uh, and hopefully some of that has maybe not given you all the answers, but certainly helped you uh, or is helping you on your journey right now. Um, Rob, thank you for the last couple of weeks. Thank you. Um, there's a lot in this message and again today, which is just solid, practical, foundational stuff in our faith. And uh, we love the fact that we can talk about this stuff on Momentum. That's why we're here, to, to talk about some of the, the icky, icky, gritty stuff of life. And I love the fact that you're never afraid to step into that space. Thank you. So we appreciate you doing that. Pastor Rob Phelan on this week's Momentum. Thank you. God bless, guys. Thanks. And again, we'll be back next week on Momentum. In the meantime, why don't you check out our website, MomentumAustralia.org, and Des and I will be back with you for next week's show. Until then, you take care. God bless. You've been listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life. For more information or to hear this week's show again, go to MomentumAustralia.org. You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.